When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Civilized Barking Podcast with Zach Jackson. It's uh, Zach Jackson and Jason Lloyd. This is the morning after. This is the Civilized Barking Podcast slash live room. We usually do this after the game. But that's usually at 6 o'clock-ish on Sunday. Last night was like 1.30 a.m. Tuesday, so we decided to wait. Um, we see some of you coming in. We appreciate it. I'm going to talk through it here for a minute, give people more time to come in. But, um, Jason, I want to start big picture. You know, and I would have anyway because we're going to the bye week, and you're basically at the midseason point, even though it's a little bit off now that they play the stupid 17th game. <laughs> but... Um, you know, the Browns are still up against it. The Browns are still flawed. But, you know, last night was impressive enough, specifically from the defense, although the offense was really good too, right? You, you dominated the defending AFC champs. So you feel like, okay, we've seen the product now. And, and I just feel like, big picture, every team has things that go wrong at the end of the year. A guy playing out of place something that gets exposed, some stupid thing that costs you a game. It's not supposed to be what happened in the Jets game, but it, it does happen to everybody, and you get it fixed. So if it just took the Browns a couple extra games to get it fixed, and this defense is going to be close to the rest of the year, what we've seen the last two games, then then they can have a season. I just hung up on uh, Ken and Lima, and I said to them, I don't know what it is about getting their ass kicked by the Patriots that seems to fix this defense, but we saw it last year. Certainly uh, they were just were absolutely embarrassed at, in Foxborough last year and played much better the, the rest of the way. And we've seen it now this year. I'm not ready to declare everything fixed, but you know, we saw signs of life last week in Baltimore. They played good enough to win that game. They played well enough defensively to win that game. They contained Lamar. They got the key turnover late that they needed. And then they built off that into last night and the way that they attacked Joe, uh, Joe Burrow and got after him, the way Miles played. Miles, I, it was that his best game of the year. It looked to me like his best game of the year last night. I don't know what the final numbers say in PFF grades or if they're out and all that. You know, I don't get too far into that stuff. But my eyes told me Miles Garrett wrecked the game last night and was all over the field and doing the types of things that we expect out of him and that the Browns need out of him on a weekly basis uh, in order to be successful. It was it was a game that they needed to keep the music playing because if they lose that game, your season's over at the bye week, and I don't think anybody saw that coming. So there, I agree with you. There's still a lot of work to be done, but they at least have a chance. At three and five, you're two games out of the division. We saw Baltimore last week. They're by no means unbeatable. This whole division is broken for a variety of reasons. The Bengals just got dismantled in the secondary with injuries last night. So it's still in front of them. They need some help, and they're going to have to play better, even better than they did last night with some of the games that they've got coming up. But the music is still playing, and they're still in the game. Yeah, um, no doubt about it. And, and like, you know, 
for the last eight quarters, that's that's winning football, right? They've run, they've moved the ball, the defense has been good. Um, the special teams remain a goddamn adventure. Um, <laughs> but you know, the problem is they've left themselves no margin. So when they play those quarters, they have to win. They they can't lose at Baltimore because they're up against it. You know, they're two games back in the division, and whatever the wild card standings are, and frankly, on November first, it's too um, early to look too far into the car crash that that is. But yes, they already yeah. have they already have three AFC home losses, so the, the chances they would ever win a tiebreaker are slim. You got to so win the division, right? Like, right. It's division right. or bust already. Right. Right. And listen, the Bengals are super flawed. You know, I think last night was was obviously a bad night for them, but I think it expo- exposed some some of their things. Um, the Ravens are flawed too. So, so the Browns aren't out of it. It's just they're going to have to steal. Like I said, they got to win a bunch. Um, <laughs> they just do. And with working under the premise that Buffalo is not going to happen, although obviously if you win that game, you, you are a playoff team. You, know, you have to get healthy, get right, get the special teams cleaned up, get some things cleaned up, and you have to win in Miami in two weeks. You know, when you play and win a big game in this league, you earn the right to play more of them that's for sure and like I said, they should be happy it, it was such a thorough um domination but not only that right the Bengals got pressure early they were all over the place the offensive line ended up kicking their ass you know the way to beat the Bengals is the Bengals shouldn't be able to block the Browns the Bengals weren't able to block the Browns they put, um, eight, they put eight offensive linemen in at the goal line I've never seen a play with eight offensive linemen and that's, yeah, that's, the, that's the day that James Hudson just stole a man's soul. I still don't yes. know who he hit, but they had uh, eight linemen on the field that day. Yeah, it was that, Davis Gaither. Play. It was Davis Gaither um, who he hit. And, and I asked some of the offensive linemen after the game, and Drew Forbes turns around and he goes, James Hudson murdered a man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's about right. And, and Hudson, I, I talked to James for a minute. He was really excited about that hit, even yeah. after the game. He, he said it was the best. He thinks it's the best hit of his career, at least as um, a I just looked at the screen. Jason Lloyd and, and Jason D chimed in and said, can't ignore the change in inside linebacker. Phillips gone as an upgrade. He is. Jacob oh, Phillips yeah. is a nice kid. He has no business being out there, right? Um, he just doesn't. So they're still thin at linebacker. And, and JOK now has two injuries, and that's an issue. Um, Taki Taki played the game of his life last night, and, and yeah, that was a huge deal. Um, but until JOK comes back, this team doesn't have a third linebacker. You know, the safeties have played better the last two weeks. We still don't know if we trust them in a big moment. We don't know when Denzel Ward's coming back. You know, uh, Martin Emerson's an impressive rookie. He's not perfect. He's not going to be perfect. He's going to get picked on. But now in two games, two really good offenses have gone at him on fourth down, and he's right there against some of the best receivers in the league making those plays. And you would think a 22-year-old rookie like Martin Emerson will only get better in the second half of the year. So a lot of, lot of encouraging signs. And you still, however this is going to go, and, and it's going to be awkward, and it's not automatic if Deshaun's great or the offense makes any seamless transition, right? But you you have guys that are trending upward, and, like, you still have your offensive line and Nick Chubb, and that's where everything's going to start, and that's what gives you a chance to eventually steal not only one. You, you can't just steal one and make the playoffs. You have to steal two. You have to ride this all the way into December, and that doesn't mean – you know, they're three and five now. That doesn't mean they they have to go 11 and six, but they have to win at least 10, right? They, yeah, they can yeah. only lose two more games the rest of the way. And, I, you know, I was driving home last night, and I just have this feeling that in week 15, week 16, week 17, we're going to be talking about that Jets game. Just fall on the onside kick. How much different is our conversation today if this is a four and 14 going into the break 
as opposed to three. Just fall on the onside kick. That's all. Just fall on the onside kick, and and this team looks completely different. Just something I was thinking about driving home. Yeah, and you can do that. Um, and obviously, when you have a historic, like I said, every team has brain dead quarters, brain dead moments. And sure. Yes. Yeah. That's a historic loss, and that's not a good Jets team, right? It's a it's a better Jets team. Um, it's not a team that's going to make the playoffs. <laughs> it's not right. Um, so so that is. That is certainly frustrating. A couple of scheduling notes here, guys, as we look ahead. Obviously, the Browns are going to go to Miami, and they need to win that game. Then they go to Buffalo, and no one's going to give them a chance. Do they need to win that game? Well, we'll see what happens. After that, they play Tampa, who we know is reeling. It's the last game before Watson comes back. Tampa comes off a bye week before that, and Tampa's going to need that game because they can go seven or eight wins is going to win their division. They right now have the same record as the Browns. So that is going to be a huge game. And obviously Tampa coming off a bye at that point, um, you know, given that their quarterback is 85 and they have a lot of older players that that should help them. So we'll see there. And then the other scheduling note I wanted to share when they play the Ravens again, uh, week 15, I think it is. It's one of five games with a Saturday window. So last year it was November 23rd. The designation was made. And remember the Brown Saturday game was canceled because of the COVID outbreak or postponed for two days, I guess. Yep. Yep. I act like a real weenie when people misuse canceled and postponed on Twitter. So <laughs> let me correct myself here. Um, the Browns are one of five games there. So they will find out whether, whether three of those five are going to Saturday and then the other two will go to Sunday and be placed at times. So, you know, that's another thing looking ahead last night. You lose, the season's over. We're making the case to just trade Kareem Hunt, just trade Dearness Johnson, just trade Greedy Williams, get every, get whatever you want, right? You're looking at one o'clock games the rest of the way, and you just, it's all about what you can do with Watson. And it still is all about with Watson. This Browns team is not winning the Super Bowl, guys. Let's, let's reel it in just a little bit, just a little, little bit, right? Um, but, you know, you're in the division race. And specifically, if you play well in November, you're in the division race. So then you're looking at games getting flexed, and then you're looking at that stretch where you go at Houston, at Cincinnati, Baltimore at home, with the first three games with Deshaun Watson back, is potentially playing yourself right into every single game being a playoff game the rest of the way. I can't argue that. Uh, I'm scrolling through the comments and looking. I see at the top, Sarah, see thoughts on Kareem being moved. Do you want to get into that conversation and have that that talk? Um, yeah. I don't think he's going. I don't think he's going anywhere. I'm curious. That we didn't really talk about that. You and I didn't really talk about it last night. I was there for his uh, press conference when he put the Joker mask on. I thought you got to be kidding me. It took me back to J.R. Smith putting on the ninja mask when he wanted to. When we were in Milwaukee and and J.R. forgot that he was in the middle of a game and ran over to dap up a player and ran off the court and kind of hit his face and and Kareem did the same thing last night. The Joker mask with the fake smile. I thought, well, this is fitting. And I, I don't think he's getting moved. If they lose last night, maybe it's a different conversation. I don't see the point in trading him for a fifth or a sixth round pick. I take my chances with a compensatory pick a year from now. And what if I wrote this through today, but like, what, what if Nick has a catastrophic injury next week or the week after? It, it can very quickly change the conversation we're having around Kareem Hunt. I think he's a backup on this team. The Browns clearly view him as a backup. I don't think they're going to get 2018 Kareem trade value for him. You know, I look at his numbers the last couple of years is what I wrote for this morning. James Robinson went for a six round pick and he's outproduced Kareem the last two years. 
And I would just rather take my chances with Kareem the rest of the year than a six-round pick. That doesn't really excite me very much. I don't think he goes anywhere. I think he's still here after 4 o'clock today. But I'm wrong almost every day, and my wife reminds me of that. So what do I know? <laughs> um, he is a much better player than James Robinson. Oh, of course he is. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but, production, but if you're a team tra- trying to trade for him – well, you're, if you're a team trying to trade for him, you see him as the power back that you don't have or the third down back that you don't have. Or if you really are willing to give up a fourth or better for him, you see him as both, right? And, like, you have Philly and Buffalo who are both thinking they can win the Super Bowl this year. Both are overwhelming favorites to win their conferences and and both have okay situations at running back. Kareem is instantly the most talented running back in either room there. He, he just is. Of so, course he is. Now, I don't I don't think he's going anywhere, and I don't think the Browns ever intended to trade him. But the problem with waiting on the compensatory pick, Jason, is Kareem's probably not ever going to get what he's worth. And going back to trade talks in March and through the summer, when, when Kareem, on record, asked for a trade, and on record tried to hold out a practice before the Browns said, nice try, we're going to start finding you, right? There was never going to be value they could get in return that would match the value he had for this team. So they do have to think ahead because he might get to the point and says, I'm not coming back. I am a starter. And he is, he is right. We, we could sit here and argue for an hour. Is he top eight, top 12, top 15, but he's a starter and he's not going to be a starter here. And despite last night and despite the last two games, the Browns have major financial commitments for the future and major issues with this defense because a lot of those guys are free agents and a lot of those guys aren't that good. They played great last night, <laughs> right? So um, ultimately they know they're going to lose him and he's not going to get paid. They're not going to get anything back in compensatory value, at least nothing of, of value. Again, that's the word I keep coming back to. They have to think about it. So I, I, I'm not sure it gets done, but I like it's not as easy as saying, well, you hold on to miss your insurance policy because you have to spin it forward and you have to say, we're committed to Nick Chubb. We're committed to this and we're probably not going to have him back. So is he the ideal fit when Watson comes back? Is he a really good player? Yes. Would you like it to work? Sure. I think they would like it to work. I we, doesn't Kareem give off the vibe that, that he's made up his mind that he's not coming back. Oh, 100% to see him last night. I mean, go back and, read what I wrote this morning, go back and watch the video. I'm sure it's all over the internet of some of his answers and the way they answered questions. And, and, you know, it was kind of a chilling moment when I just happened to be walking out of the locker room with him and he turns and tells one of the Brown staff members, I feel like I'm forgetting something stops to start to turn around and go back. And then he says, I got my chain. Everything else is replaceable. That to me sounded like a guy that had no interest in stepping back in that locker room ever again. Uh, But it's not his decision. I don't think the Browns owe him anything. The fact that there were not a lot of teams lining up when the, when Cleveland gave him a second chance after his issues in Kansas city. And eventually he would, somebody would have signed him. But in that moment, Cleveland was the only team willing to step forward and give him a chance. And that was obviously Dorsey. That was a different regime, but this regime did give him the two year extension and gave him $12 million. So I think they probably feel like they've done right by Kareem at every turn. They don't owe him anything. They don't owe him an opportunity to go build his value, which obviously he wants to do. He's trying to cash in on the contract for next year. And I agree with you. He's not going to get paid even what he's worth. Because, again, what is his film the last two years? It's not great. Some of it's injuries. Some of it's lack of usage. Whatever. 
the fact is there's not a lot of film there's not a lot of great film on, on him the, over the last two years which is why number one i don't think he's gonna get paid this summer and number two why i don't think the team's gonna step forward with a really high draft pick for him uh i i think you're a little bit wrong on the film part there's not guys that finish runs the way he does there's not a lot of guys that catch the ball the way he does um and the reason James numbers, James Robinson's numbers look better on a spreadsheet than Kareem Hunt's um, this year is that Brissett's missed him wide open in the middle of the field about 10 times. And, and no, listen, I, I'm not arguing that James Robinson's a better running back than Kareem Hunt. Of course, Kareem is better. Of course he is. I'm just saying, if I'm a team trying to trade for him, I'm not going to be eager to turn over a high pick because I'm going to tell the Browns. Listen, oh, no, that's that's not what we're getting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Browns don't owe him anything. You're right. And if he went to the Browns and said, trade me, and they said, okay, and they put a call and they had to, 20 teams would offer a six round pick today. Right? Oh, of course. Yeah. You know? But the, the, the six round pick doesn't interest them. Now, for some reason, this team has a strange fetish for fifth round picks. Um, <laughs> we, we will see there, but I, I don't think it gets, I think a four to get in the door is, and that's a little bit based on some conversations, but, I've talked about this before. I want to do it again. We have a new audience, and I think it's more relevant here. You know, teams in the NFL, Jason, they know things are going to get out, and they strategically want things to get out, and yes. they and they have their ears to things. They have eyes on Twitter, right? They they have all these things. What they hate more than anything is when trade talks get out or think because these conversations are had all the time, and and so many of them are not close to real. And when it gets out, it severs relationships. It severs expectations or blows them out of the water, right? It puts the spotlight on things. You know, the Browns spent all of last year trying to trade Odell Beckham. They got laughed at because of the contract in the ACL, Yeah. right? Then Odell, on this day, a year ago, Odell's dad puts out the video, right? Um, Is today the one-year anniversary of that? Is it really? Yeah. And, and his trade value was still nil then, right? There's all sorts of things that go on. Um, you know, Carolina has asked people to take Baker <laughs> during their Christian McCaffrey and DJ Moore talks. They've been laughed at, right? Do they want that out? No. Has it happened? Yes. You know, I mean, the Browns could be talking about Kareem or a number of players. And someone could say, how about Miles? How about Nick Chubb? How about this? So if we report it, technically, did that conversation happen? Yes. Is it have 1% chance of happening? No. So, like I said, they, they, they've known they've had a Kareem decision and a complicated one since way before he did that in August with terrible timing, frankly, right? And, and the Browns having other issues. Do they have to entertain things? Have they? Yes. But I, I don't expect, you know, those phones to light up. I mean, in an ideal world, the Browns would like to fortify this defense. And they saw what happened to the Bengals last night. Yep. Right. And and that can sink a season more than anything else. So um, I just, you know, you go to this by, you get, well, you have two road games, daunting road games, but you're energized. And, and I don't usually buy into, you know, post game stuff because guys say what they say, but they were genuine in talking about the kitchen sink game, right? They were genuine in saying, Hey, this can be us because it's not just one game. You know, there is that, that Ravens game that the defense can hang its hat on. And if 95 is healthy, we know he can make those plays all the time. If 90 is healthy, it's a completely different defense. Isaiah Thomas, this late-round rookie, is is coming on. And you're not asking him 
to have three sacks and you're not asking him to play 40 snaps. But he smoked Jonah Williams, top 15 pick in the draft three years ago last night. Right. Like when the pass rush is rolling, um, you need those guys. And and obviously, Clowney's not going to be back. Isaiah Thomas can play himself into a role with this team for years to come. Right. And, and And so having a pulse for this year is important. But honestly, the the Browns are playing for next year and the window says that next year you better be good or else. And that goes for the vibe of the organization, who's going to be in what place and the state of the roster. It, it frankly does. Uh, I don't know how to do this. It looks like there's somebody in the queue. I'll let you pull them up. Uh, okay. you, you can come on if you want, guys, for those of you who are listening, figure it out. I don't know anything about this. I hit the button and start talking and then hang up when Zach tells me to, but I'm sure it's easy to figure out. Uh, so I'll let Zach take it from there. All right, Lewis, you're up. Lewis, welcome to the show. You better not be listening to those idiots, Carmen and Lima, instead of us. <laughs> Hello? Hey, yeah, you're on it. Uh, I just wanted to know that, um, well, first of all, kudos to you guys. I love listening to you. And uh, the other thing is, um, I mean, what we needed was hope for the season, right? And mm-hmm. you needed to see that performance that we saw last night dominating a team defensively and offensively. And you could see that what the team is, is all about, what could, I mean, what this team could give every week. So I don't think the season is over, and I think we're going to be contending till the last week to the playoffs. Maybe yeah. not the Super Bowl, but to the playoffs. Thank yeah, you, guys. Yeah, I, I agree, and that would be huge success. To even To even still be in it the next time they play the Bengals and Ravens, would be huge success. Not not just be playing spoiler, but, but to set that up. And Lewis, I'm glad you said that the way you said it, because it's a point I wanted to make, Jason. Uh, you know, time will tell on whether last night was an over-celebration or, you know, the start of, of things to come. And even if it's in the middle, it's exciting and it's therapeutic and it's important, as Lewis said, for in and out of the locker room. But as someone who's been there, like when you're on that losing streak, the looks on the faces of people everywhere, the people pushing the carts out of the locker room, the people that just play special teams when you get it right. Like you, you, the Browns needed that win for everybody's mental health and everybody's motivation level going forward. It's just such a long season. It really is. And they, they could run off seven of the next eight, right? They could stink again, but they needed that in so many ways um, for interest level, for emotions, for everything. I think I made the point to Ken and Anthony that, they were almost acting like they clinched a playoff spot last night. Like it was by the time Miles was done talking, it felt like it was almost too much preening. Like, hey guys, you're still three and five. Like there's still a lot of work to do. But I understand the relief and the joy and the celebration because it it saved their season. How many bad Browns teams over the last twenty years were two and six? Like th- there's too much talent on this team to be in that situation where your season is over at the bye, and and that's. That's why I just had a little bit of optimism going into the game where I just felt like there's just too much talent. This this is not a two and six football team. Their season can't be over already because there's there's just too much at stake here and there's too much talent on the field. So I yeah. agree with Lewis or Luis. Uh, it saved their season. It gave them a, a chance to fight again another day. It'll be a happy bye. Get guys rested. Get guys healthy. You know, hopefully Wyatt Teller probably I would assume would be back. For, for the Miami game, that would be a big lift for that offensive line that really played well. Um, and you go from there. 
Okay, I scrolled up in the chat. Uh, Lucas says Zach Taylor is the real demonstrated weakness. Yes, he stinks. Um, he, he just does. Um, <laughs> well, you and Joe Banner finally agree on something. I saw Joe, tweet, Joe, Joe tweeted during the game that the Super Bowl is going to buy Zach Taylor a couple of years. Yeah. This is not a good coaching staff. Yeah. Curtis F., do you think Miles having a good game also had anything to do with actually rushing more than four people and Clowney being on the field? Yes and no, Curtis. Uh, I would say Miles dominating at the start allowed the Browns to start rushing more than four. So part of the Bengals issue early in the year is they have their regular offense, um, you know, where, where they run it and, and spread the ball around. And it's, it's, it's rooted out of the same family of offenses as the Browns is. What they've discovered is they're better when they just spread the field and let Burrow pick his spots and go. And obviously they're better in any offense with Jamar Chase. They could be running the fucking wishbone. If Jamar Chase is on the field, they're much more dangerous, right? But they've just gone almost exclusively shotgun 90%, I think, um, in the two games before. And then it seemed like that last night. I don't have the counts in front of me. So Miles getting back there on his own and disrupting that timing. You know, the Bengals are going to live with that a little bit. They want the ball to come out quickly. They want to make you guess. They want to go for favorable matchups. But, like, specifically and as much as the Browns dominated guys there's always one or two plays right out of the half the Browns have all the momentum the Bengals have second and six Joe Mixon is wide open as the Browns get caught in a blitz he drops the ball on third and six Burrow gets sacked the game is over right so um the Browns having miles they know that he can change a game at any time both in the the tip for the interception and the big sacks that he makes or things we don't see, right? Drawing attention, making the quarterback go the other way, things like that. So, you know, a healthy miles makes a big difference. A healthy clowny makes a big difference, even if he doesn't show up on the stat sheet. And then, you know, I think it was two plays of 20 yards in the first 40 some minutes of the game. Um, You know, not having chase as a part of that. But the Browns safety is actually playing like NFL safeties is a big part of that, too. So you get in the bye and, you, you know, you, you start you keep getting young guys more ready. You keep getting Garrett and Clowney healthier. I mean, I think between them, they have like four full practices in the last four weeks. Do they really need it? No. What is it ideal? No. So um, try to figure out, you know, try to get your kicker some confidence. I think that was a huge make from 50 some yards last night for his confidence. Um, just, you know, let Donovan Peoples-Jones catch the punt since he's apparently the only guy on the whole team that can do it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But the offensive line's healthy. And, you know, Conklin gave him a little scare last night, but they're bringing James Hudson along. Michael Dunn is playing tight end. Drew Forbes, who's been around since 2019, was cut, added to another team, cut and brought back, is playing fullback on that play. Um, that's a package they brought out they haven't seen. So, yeah, the swagger, they're coached and played and celebrated last night. Like, there's more to come. So, what? You're only as good as your last game. That was a pretty damn good game and, and bring on the second half of the year. Two play-by-play points I, I want to mention, get your thoughts on it. Uh, number one, after the Amari Cooper debacle on the reverse when he said he was trying to throw the ball out of bounds, it was a really funny moment. He said, it's a lot harder than I thought because he threw it right. Like, it was nowhere near the sideline. He threw it right at him. Uh, but it, it seemed like after that, Kevin really went back to the run and just said, you know what? Screw this. We're just going to run the ball. This is, what we, this is what we're good at. This is what we can do. And it really seemed to put an emphasis on the ground game. That's number one. And then number two, 
really big moment, end of the first half. You know, Jacoby played really well last night. Uh, had only one catastrophic mistake. Luckily, it didn't come at the end of the game. It came at the end of the first half. Gets the ball knocked out of his hand. Cincinnati gets the ball. I think you and I both thought at that point they're going to score. It's 8 nothing Cleveland. They're going to get at least three, if not six, out of this. It's going to change the entire complexion going into the half. Instead, it's a complete flip because they missed the field goal. McPherson misses the field goal. And Cade York, as you mentioned, bangs through a 55-yarder at the end of the half. And then they get six at the start of the third quarter. And it really seemed to change the entire dynamic of the game. Yeah, the Bengals hadn't given up a second-half touchdown all year. The Browns started the second-half touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. And it was Nick Chubb driving that. So, you know, it felt like Cooper and Peoples-Jones kept getting open on the same couple plays, and they hit him. And credit to Stefanski for dialing it up, and credit to to Brissett for hitting him. I mean, I thought he made a couple bad throws in the game, and they were all early. He just – he grooved. So, you know, among the challenges ahead is is changing quarterbacks and disrupting this team again, right? Um among the challenges ahead is keeping everybody healthy and, and rolling. But um, part of what makes the Browns, you don't just want to have good players. The Browns have good players. We, we all knew that. Um, and the debate will, will go on. And the story is not written on, on how good some of them are, but you need to be hard to play. And miles Garrett is hard to play against. And Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt are really freaking hard to play against because the Bengals several times last night had their runs sniffed out and had guys flying back there. And how many times did they actually drop Chubb for a loss? One. Yeah. You know, so um, still a lot of pressure, still a lot to overcome. And you're going to need to score. Even if the defense plays well, you're not going to go down there and hold the Dolphins to 10 points. Right. I mean, at some point they're going to max protect and throw it up to Tyreek Hill and he's going to catch it. We saw what happens last year when John Johnson's left in deep coverage with Tyreek Hill. Two fingers go up. So, um, you know, we'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens. But I, the confidence and and what they've put on tape and the way they've brought guys along um, does bode well. So it is the bye week. Um, Andrew Barry will talk tomorrow. I will write off of that. We will do a podcast and there will be several stories over the next seven to eight days, kind of bigger picture stuff, um, looking back and, and looking ahead. Any closing thoughts or, or things you want to address, Jason, before we get out of here? No, I don't think so. Um, glad that we still have a, a season to discuss and talk about, and we're not writing the funeral piece because there is a very good chance. I mean, that's what we would have been. I lost last night, and it's over. So at least you have something to look forward to for the second half. Yeah. Okay, two things. I, I just checked the chat here. Brian asked, any comment on Joe Buck saying Conklin could be traded? Oh, obviously, I, I'm at the game. I didn't see the broadcast. Uh, I, I doubt that. I mean, I don't think Conklin's going to be here next year. I think James Hudson is going to be yeah. the right tackle. But I, I would be really surprised if that happened. I mean, again, it comes down to what value. Conklin's playing through injury. He's right off a major injury. He's only under contract for the next three months. Like, no team is going to give you anything that's worth ditching your starting right tackle right now. That just doesn't seem rooted in reality. Um, it's Lewis, interesting, though, that Joe Buck would mention that because clearly during their – pre-show meet or pre-game meetings somebody must have floated that whether it's trying to drive up value or what he did he's not yeah. going to just throw that out there on his own right um lewis says the browns were really tackling yesterday yes they were i've written about that repeatedly the tackling errors they had a season high missed tackles against the ravens which you know I, I didn't put a ton of stock into that because you miss tackles against the ravens you play against lamar jackson and a 240 right. pound back right um but there was some especially egregious ones 
And a question from Mike, do they ease in Watson when he comes back, split game time? No, absolutely not. Deshaun Watson is the quarterback of this team on the Wednesday practice after the Bucks game. Um, and we will see how that goes and, and what issues it brings and what people say about it. And But assuming he continues to check all the boxes, and he is, um, and assuming he stays out of trouble, which we can only believe that he is, then he he's the quarterback. That's not even a question. So, um, yeah, um, stick around for Civilized Barking for what we write, and the Browns will be back on the field in Miami uh, on November 13th. Thanks, guys.